Welcome to the number one South Asian radio station in North America. Ruckus Avenue Radio. I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle. And as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, join me for a conversation with fashion designer and fashion house founder, Bayal Singhal. Stay tuned. So like a lot of folks, over the past 18 months, I've grown to be reminiscent and nostalgic about occasions and celebrations. Not just the visuals, but how I actually felt during those moments. And speaking of moments, thanks again for taking the time to listen, to follow us on social media at MyGoodFraint, for telling your friends and for subscribing to the podcast. So often, these moments and memories are punctuated by clothing and fashion. And who better to chat with about the surprises, empowerment, and storytelling behind fashion design than Bail Singhal, founder of the Bail Singhal Fashion House. She started designing when she was just a teenager, and after studying and training in both Mumbai and in the U.S., she founded her fashion house in 1999 and has grown it into a brand that's contemporary and minimalistic with the vintage heart. Her inclusive and innovative design has been informed by a rich backdrop of personal and family experiences, as her grandfather was a renowned photographer, and her father Dinesh was a fashion entrepreneur, and he even joined us on the show briefly for part of our chat, which was just super cool. But Bile's journey in fashion truly came of age in New York, where she spent several early years learning, iterating, discovering, and translating her craft into an enterprise. This summer, she finished a traveling trunk show tour of the U.S., and we had a chance to chat about her journey, about the range of creation and emotion captured by fashion storytelling, and about returning to New York City to reflect on the relationships she continues to rekindle and newly develop. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you, you say like, I was a girl child when I came here, like I was 26, but you know, I was from a very protected kind of a family background where they handheld me through the entire process of launching my label. We were from the garment business. And then when I came here, I had to kind of start from scratch. And I think those, uh, you know, the experiences and the advice that I got uh, from friends and, you know, uh, well-wishers and just people from the industry uh, kind of guided me through the path. I've had amazing, unique, uh, interesting, uh, uh, crazy experiences throughout these 20 years. And I think what we do is beyond clothes. And uh, for me, it's a connection of uh, the Indian art and craft to the Indian diaspora. Like what it's really about, you know, uh, we all come together. Like it's like food, right? Right. You kind of connect on food. Similarly, we connect with uh, our art and our culture uh, through clothing. And, and, you know, that that relationship development is so critical for anything. And, you know, is it does it feel extra special in some ways, especially after what the world and, and particularly the retail industry has gone through in the past year and a half? What are you learning from the conversations that you're having with your clients and, and meeting and in some ways rekindling some of those relationships? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, like anything that is taken away from you and you start to value it and respect it much more. Similarly, human connections became like the most important thing post-COVID, like it's not post-COVID, but in 2021, uh, after the year we had in 2020. And I think going forward, because since some of this is here to stay, I feel human connections are very important uh, bespoke uh, conversations, like ha- being able to give your brides and your clients the face time that they need so yeah. that they feel safe and secure about their big day. You know, like they're not just buying from a faceless website. I think that was important. And and also like, you know, I think uh, the fact that we, um, like you said, I'm meeting some of these girls after like maybe 15 years, 20 mm-hmm. years, four years, five years. Like it's just, it's just like, it creates kind of a PS tribe, which is yeah. like a, you know, it's global. Like we have women all over the world and they're connecting on one thing yeah. is their love for fashion and their love for contemporary Indian fashion. And I'm really happy to be a part of that kind of tribe and that journey with all these women. You've built, you are rekindled um, and are really cultivating a community around. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I mean, the stories I hear from them, which are the true inspiration to the brand is like some of them have like never visited India. They, I remember meeting girls like back in 2004 and five where they wouldn't know the difference between a kurta and a churida. So they would call the pant a kurta and then the top, the churida, which is the reverse. Like, I mean, they were that disconnected, you know, from the uh, understanding of their culture. They were Indian, they were Desi, you know, from different parts of South Asia, but they did not understand. And today, like some of them tell me stories like, you know, I remember coming to you and you were like, oh, that's not the kurta, that's the (laughs) bhat. I mean, the education process was from like that grassroots level. And or like one girl asked me like, you know, why do you have pants under the kurta? Right. And I'm like, uh, because, you know, now in India, everyone's wearing pants because yeah. at that time it was a big rage in, you know, early 2000. Yeah. So just stuff. And now with Instagram and social media, everyone is way more informed and educated and understanding. I mean, the global understanding of culture is so much more. But I feel like they think they started their journey with us. And yeah. which is why it's truly special for both of us, them and well, me. So much of your work is purely about storytelling, right? Through your craft, through your art. So how, how do you design um, or structure a, uh, a piece of fashion around a mood or around a temperature, around a characteristic uh, of someone where it's, it's so intimate, it's so personal? How, how do you kind of craft that or how, what's the process behind that? So, you know, I think it has to be collaborative. Uh, yeah. Like we, we design and I usually design every season with some central theme and yeah. we create a lot of product. Now that doesn't necessarily work for every person. So yeah. when I'm making something custom and especially when we're talking to brides, uh, we sit down, we try to understand, like we become like, a family member. I mean, I joke about it. I'm almost like a mom daughter therapist because it's like (laughs) the things like, you know, the family wants and then the things that the bride and bridegroom want. So you have to become one of them. You have to understand the cultural background or what kind of families they are. How big is the wedding? How small is it? What is the girl's dream? What are her favorite colors? What are the colors that have worked for her in the past? And 
Once you have all that information, we start to talk. And I truly believe that somebody to feel good about themselves has to be really happy from inside out uh, on their special day or any occasion. Like I treat a bridal outfit and a regular PS spread outfit with equal importance because I feel like you're buying into like a product that you desire and it should make you happy. So we just kind of go through everything. And then eventually when they are done with a conversation, they themselves have guided themselves to a product that resonates with them. And so it's honestly like a journey of like talking to like a friend yeah. And then making them comfortable and like you have their back. I actually had a, lots of funny experiences when I've had girls come in with best friends, family members who are right. completely guiding them wrongly. Like, yeah. them, no, 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 that looks amazing on you when it doesn't. And then yeah. something looks amazing saying, oh, it's okay. Yeah. And I actually, I can't say much at that point of time because they have faith in that person. But I try to steer because I'm honestly the truest best friend you can have in that conversation because I want the bride to look good. You know, what's funny about that is it sounds like a true therapeutic journey, right? Because you're, you're carrying somebody, you're developing trust. And in some ways, Kenny, you're walking and holding their hand through the yeah. entire process. And in some ways, helping them discover what the temperature, the mood, the quality and the characteristic is with that, which is which is amazing. And, and for you, do you learn something about yourself? Um, each time you work with a client? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to, to tell you about my own journey and growth from somebody I was as a young idealistic designer in my 20s, yeah. where you know, uh, I would maybe I had to learn diplomacy along the way. I had to learn patience. Yeah. I had to learn, uh, you know, the art of balance, you know, yeah. and make everybody happy. So I, yeah. I do. And, and also I'm not a very, um, how do I put it? Like I, I truly want to do right by the customer. Yeah. I don't want it to be about my business or my agenda. Yeah. And like, you know, I hate it when I go to a restaurant and then say, hey, what's the best dish on the menu? And they give you the worst dish on the menu. Because <laughs> they, want to, they want to sell it. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's, you know, it's if the hard, like, I don't care how hard it is to do what the bride wants. I yeah. want to be the best for the bride. And I genuinely mean this. And yeah. the store owners I work with or the brides who I've worked with or just my colleagues know that about me, that I have no commerce on my mind when I'm talking to a client. It's truly her coming out of that room, feeling happy and satisfied. That makes me happy. You know? I, I wonder if there's a fair amount of kind of liberation with that, right? That you don't have to have that on your mind all the time. Yeah. And for you, you know, thinking about how your own process has matured over this time, when do you first remember feeling empowered and confident to use fashion as kind of your vehicle for expression? I would, I would say like maybe like 10 years into my career, yeah. I, I would say in my uh, mid thirties is when I started to truly believe, like I wasn't, I wasn't trying to please anyone anymore. I was doing what I enjoyed doing. Uh, I was putting out product that excited me. I had so many naysayers, so much advice from, you know, like I said, the industry, from my family, because they're in the business, uh, guidance from the buyers saying, hey, make a more commercial product or make something which is more colorful or make something which is slightly more brighter and, you know, maybe more over the top. And I always, 
I heard them out because I do not believe in like dissing, uh, you know, um, healthy criticism. I think it actually helps the business and me, but I still did what I wanted because Mm. it didn't feel honest. You know, it didn't feel honest to succumb to that. I mean, I'll definitely make a product which is saleable. It's commercially saleable because I believe fashion is wearable art, but I can't change my aesthetic just to be more commercially successful. That wouldn't be feeling very honest for me. So I think uh, I found the right balance between making myself happy and making uh, you know, the bank happy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, keeping the lights on and paying the bills and and that sort of thing. Yeah. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with fashion designer Bayal Singhal. Stay tuned. Let's rejoin our conversation with fashion designer Bayal Singhal. And we're also even briefly joined by her father, Dinesh Singhal, himself a fashion entrepreneur. You know, for for that, as you have created this brand, as you've created this aesthetic, and as you have felt more and more empowered to do so, in order to truly develop a contemporary style, do you actually have to be a really, really great student of tradition and history and culture. Does it actually, does being a student of the past actually allow you to be even that much more bold and take more risks? Yeah, absolutely it does. It's um, interesting because, you know, when I was growing up, uh, I was really afraid of history because I had a really strict teacher in school where she would make me learn everything by rote. And, you know, that's something which I guess as an artist and as someone who is more creative is something which I struggled with to memorize things. Like, you know, how old school school in the 80s was, right? Right. But yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, you know, uh, she's like, Alexander the Great did blah, blah, blah on the date blank. And yeah. I was blessed. And I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. But as I started to be more free with my own understanding of history and art and architecture and culture, I started to enjoy it because I was doing it just for myself and not for someone to test me. So I read a lot. I watch a lot of documentaries. I buy a lot of books. Right. I mean, everyone in my family jokes that I just buy books. I don't read them. I'm like, <laughs> I know. I just see the pictures. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I need to own the books. I don't care if I don't read those books because it's the visual part. Because yeah. for me, it's about taking it uh, visually and then thinking about it and how can I contemporize that. So yeah. absolutely everything that you create has to have a reference point, which yeah. is something which anyone will tell you in terms of uh, culture, art, history, yeah. this thing that you have to have something, you can make it modern. And I also, what I also love to do is mix cultures. Yeah. So not only am I referring to Indian history, art and architecture and culture, I'm going into Islam, I'm going into uh, um, uh, you know Persian culture, I'm going into yeah. uh, Mexican West, culture. Like Western like, aesthetics. Yeah, like, uh, you know, Swedish folk tales. Like, I love all these little stories. And that gives you uh, ideas for stitches, for techniques, for color combinations, for uh, silhouette. And I mean, I've done a whole collection based on Afghani kurtas. So I just, I it's such an, you know, I actually enjoy the process personally 
even yeah. more than I enjoy the process of the storytelling. Many times my uh, press release feels a bit vacant because yeah. I have absorbed so much that I don't have anything left to tell. I just have a visual show. The thoughts are all in my head. You know, one of your signatures is design that affords the ease of transition. The idea that you could actually be free and facile and nimble and able to be in different quarters, different situations, different atmospheres, you know, which helps evaporate so many of those boundaries between and particularly between, say, Pret and Couture. Are there ever some guardrails that you have to keep in mind to this when you're creating that kind of design whether it's truthfully at cost or scalability or sourcing and, you know, what, what kinds of boundaries maybe exist, even trying to create that, that blend and that blur. So it, it's an interesting question an interesting time when, uh, you know, I have uh, my dad on. So basically, yeah. you know, when I started my career as a young student, I remember very clearly having a conversation with him about uh, fashion and what it means. And I remember this like stayed with me and it stayed with me for the last 25 years is that you have to make something which is wearable. It doesn't matter who the wearer is. I mean, the wearer could be, and I, I say this to a lot of students too, it could be Lady Gaga and it could yeah. be for theater and it could be a costume for the Met Gala, yeah. but it has to be, have an end user because fashion technically is wearable art. So yeah. that's the first guardrail, right? That there has to be an end user to this. So yes. like, even if it's going to go into a museum, like it, that, then that's the intention that it's going to go into a museum, right? So that's one. Second thing is when you run a business, you have to have, like you said, a certain guardrail of commerce, you know, yeah. like this is the product I created at this price. Sometimes it's great because the price and the product matches. Sometimes it goes a bit haywire. So then you have yeah. to adjust. I don't consider that a compromise. I just consider that being intelligent because yeah. it's like, suppose something works out to be really expensive but it's a beautiful outfit and you know that at a certain price point, it would sell better yeah. and you can make slight adjustments to maybe the raw materials you used or, you know, any kind of technique that you use, which was causing it to become, and you can adjust. So that's yes. my second guardrail. Yeah. And I think third for me is who I am as a designer, yeah. because I feel to me being dishonest as a designer is it's going to show in my work. Mm -hmm. So like, the reason you're able to create a signature style is because you're honest with yourself. Yeah. Like if it's not something that visually pleases me, I can't have it on a pile single rack because right. otherwise I'm being dishonest to yeah. my client. And there have been samples which we have created, which haven't felt like true to who we are and yeah. we have let them go. Eventually someone is buying into your taste level and your aesthetic and yeah. that's what you bring to the table. But having said that, there's no guardrail in terms of like, I go crazy in the mixing of the cultures and that's where there's no holes barred. So it's like, if I, I don't feel any, you know, qualm in taking like, like I said, you know, Mexican colors and putting in uh, Brazilian stitches and in Indian techniques and then making it yeah. into a Ghagra Choli. I'm like, I'm confusing the hell out of you, but, but, but you're getting something unique. It, it is the fashion kitsuri that I crave, right? Yes. <laughs> Dineshji, would you have anything to add to that? Okay, yeah, yeah. That's that's what fashion is all about. You you have to uh, create your own blend. You you create uh, you use silhouettes which are uh, traditional, which are uh, worn by communities, but you uh, add uh, value addition, adornments, 
and uh, design elements from from various uh, facets of of the world inspiration could come from anywhere that's so true and i think the inspiration coming from anywhere and everywhere allows for that element of innovation and surprise right that there's so many aha moments in the creative process that you like but i think as you mentioned pile just having the guardrails of someone has to wear this this has to actually still have those in some ways kind of some rules to that creative process you know you know with that pile element of surprise and spontaneity of the new blends do you ever risk losing the intimacy or the comfort of something that's really really familiar uh you know we absolutely do and that's one of the um feedbacks i would say that i get from a lot of my store owners and just buyers that you know we do too much and we do it a little ahead of time and uh, and the proof in that is that collections that we release are usually become best selling collections after 2 to 3 years mm-hmm. so the the fear in that like what you said is like you know when i do uh, so much of experimentation is of being a, a little bit ahead of your time yeah. uh, now a lot of people look at that as maybe a negative i'm looking at it as like you know i've already done my homework and my groundwork and i'm prepared for the future yeah. so i'm like sitting like i i have collections from 2010 2011 12 still selling as best sellers today yes. so i don't see it as a negative i we in fact our website is seasonless if you go to our website mm. you'll see there's no date or time on it right. and that's the whole point like i make fashion forward contemporary indian clothes that are timeless and seasonless yeah. and isn't that wonderful because you don't have to especially in a time like today when we're worried about the clothing industry being the biggest pollutant in the world to landfills you want to have clothes which are far more um precious which are global which are timeless and you know i the biggest pleasure i have is when my clients come to me after 10 years 5 years 20 years at pop ups and tell me hey you know i have that outfit from you from 1998 and i still wear it and all my daughter wears it now or yeah. i wear it as just a tunic i mean those are the those are the best stories that i hear at pop ups you're listening to trust me i know what i'm doing after another quick break we'll come back to our conversation with fashion designer bayal singhal stay tuned I'm Abhay Dandekar and welcome back to our conversation on Trust Me I Know What I'm Doing with fashion designer Bayal Singhal. How challenging has it been in some ways to be a student uh, to follow a brand or to develop and cultivate that signature style or trend you know is there some balance between the kind of really kind of deep relationship development that you have to have with the brand with the wow that thing is old because it came out 15 minutes ago and yeah. we've forgotten about it yeah true so it's uh, you know the the better part is always the harder part right in life and and i believe like slow and steady just like you know the little turtle who won the race yeah. is is always the better part so there have been times where we've been disposed as a fashion brand you know and that's fine because you know you you're always it designer just for a season 
Yeah. And, and honestly, that to me is not exciting. I'd rather be the designer that somebody keeps coming back to. And they only realize that when they see value in your product. And that realization actually happens after a really long period. And I'll give you an example. Today, if you come to me as a customer and you buy my outfit, you cannot become a loyalist in the first five minutes, right? You'll have that outfit in your wardrobe. You'll probably wear it two or three times in the year. And every time you wear it, you feel good about yourself and you like the outfit and it'll maintain itself. The outfit won't fray, it won't fall apart. It'll be something that will keep being your go-to. After a year or two, you'll be like, you know what? I really like that brand Bayal Singha. And I think I'm going to try and see if they can make me another outfit. So yeah. you honestly have to have that kind of investment of time in your consumer for like a year or two for them to start to understand the value of your product. Again, sort of the foundational trust that they've developed over time. That definitely is indicative of how people feel about the clothing, about Biosingal, about the brand and about the experience of it. Someone wearing your design, perhaps for the first time, or rediscovering your fashion for a specific occasion, or even, you know, not an occasion, right? Having it for a, a personal um, event, or for that matter, an everyday event. What do you hope that is going on in their mind about themselves, about how they feel about themselves when they're wearing some of your products? Well, the first thing I hope, they're feeling really good about themselves. And they're happy because I think those things are uh, irreplaceable. Like, I don't care how pretty she's looking. I really care about how happy she's feeling, you know? And I think that's my first goal. And that's why I keep, like, even when I feel sometimes certain colors will look better, I let the bride decide the color that will make her feel happier because she needs to be happy. I don't need to be happy. She needs to be happy, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is I want them to feel luxury. It doesn't matter what price point they bought into. Like they could have bought something for $100 or $10,000. I want them to feel beautiful, luxurious. I want them to feel excited. It's like when we buy something, right? Like why do, why, why do I buy that little tummy bag? You know, because I feel like, oh my God, it's like a huggable piece of luggage, right? So you want them to feel that luxury. And, and I think the third thing is I want them to feel really important and feel like, you know, they own the room when they walk in, which comes in from those other two feelings. You know, when you're happy and you're feeling luxurious, you feel confident. So when you walk into that room and honestly, if you have these three emotions, honestly, you can wear a sack and you'll look good. Right. So like, like that's like me kind of cheating. I want those three emotions because then anything I make is going to look good. Is that important? Not only just for the occasions that come at you because they're special, it's a wedding, it's a, a birthday, it's a party, but also the ones that are unexpectedly sobering. It's a death, it's a loss, it's a grieving time, it's a time of transition. It, is it just as important to have that feeling good about yourself, confidence, that comfort, that trust, that empowerment, even in those times? You know, absolutely. And it's uh, funny you, uh, you know, mentioned this because no one has ever brought this insight, you know, uh, about the sadder side of life, which is also clothes are needed. I had a friend, very close friend of mine in India, and, you know, she lost her mom. Yeah. And it was like in the middle of the night and she was just rushing, you know, she had to put in two things in her bag and go. And uh, she messaged me the next day 
and it was uh, such an emotional moment for me too because yeah. she was like you know i literally packed in 2 minutes and i put uh, we have these pal single shawls that we make which are like dupattas and she's saying you know i my mom loved it and i love it and i just wore it. i had nothing else i just kind of wore that dupatta over my clothes and i just felt so much peace and i felt close to her and i felt calm and clothes do evoke that kind of an emotional response in you like the day i'm wearing something that has a certain smell or it's somebody's dupatta or it's sari it gives you that feeling of nostalgia it makes you feel that emotion happy or sad right like you said clothing is an important part of happy and sad moments and again we would a uh, hope that that emotion that someone feels with something that they have of us in the sad moment is of comfort and love and feeling uh, secure versus feeling judged or insecure i think that to me that's a very important emotion in through the clothes like we we are very you know going to a lighter note on clothing we are size inclusive we are gender inclusive we are price inclusive so nobody is turned away if you come in and say hey my budget is 100 dollars you are welcome you could be a boy or a girl you could gender non confined non binary it doesn't matter we like yeah. we never have a issue with making something for a larger size or an extra small size or a petite girl or a large girl so i think these are very important aspects of uh, our relationship with our customers you know yeah. that they feel really comfortable coming in and that's why they're happy well i think that message of love and inclusion at at all moments and for all occasions and in all styles is so important and we're so grateful for it. Bio, what a treat to connect and and have this conversation. I hope we can connect and and have you back soon. Oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure and thank you for having me again. Thanks so much, Bio. And please visit biosinghal.com to learn more about her amazing work. A shout out this week to my cousin Akshay and his wife Roma for letting me crash at your house. Treasure that view, my friends, and thanks for the homemade veggie pizza. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar. Hi, this is Chloe Flower and you're listening to me on Ruckus Avenue Radio.